So I guess uh, this is going to be a very elephant in the room type of episode. <laughs> um, the last. I'm trying to do an elephant noise. Actually, we'll talk about the literally biggest elephant in the room because uh, I wrote in <laughs> the banta banta in the room. We were gonna we're gonna talk a lot of Star Wars here in a minute, but. Um, in bold letters for this week's episode, looking through, like, because I couldn't really, I, I scraped and could not find a whole lot of, like, subject matter for this week, other than, you know, I've been super dis- busy myself. Discourse so. <laughs> on Rise of Skywalker has begun, thankfully. <laughs> but I wrote in bold letters, ripped Kumail on my sheet. Oh, yeah, ripped Kumail. <laughs> um, I mean, good for him. Uh, like legit good for him I, so I talked to some people about this and I was like cause I saw that photo and he is so incredibly I mean he's Mar- he's Marvel ripped yes I mean that's a good way to put it um, it's it's like the guy from uh, It's Always Sunny just for last clar- year when just he for posted clarity, that we're picture about, we're talking about Kamel Nanjiani right when he posted that picture of him being ripped and he's like I don't know why everybody can't be like this all the time if you just you know, I uh, had a studio pay for a dietitian and a, yeah, a that, trainer. and I saw that uh, that tweet get reposted again, kind of in the wake of this, of just like how how kind of ridiculous when when Marvel gets their claws in you, like, well, you're going to have to look like this, that it is intense. It's intense and it's unsustainable. And there's also, I'm not saying Kumail has taken steroids, but there are... There's things in the world to help people achieve that level of ripness. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. I feel whatever. Like Doesn't matter to me, honestly. I, I don't care about steroids. Of, I saw a lot of very what felt like bitter, bitter pushback on that with the oh steroids and rice. He's just on the diet, and I, I am. I have no doubt that he <clears throat> that there is a very regimented diet that comes along with supplements. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's eating brown rice, broccoli, and chicken, and that's probably. And that was part of that eating. tweet that you're talking about. That he said, that like, you know, no, no carbs, no sugar. You know, while you're at it, just forget about eating anything you like for right. seven or eight months. Right. So, but the, you know, but if your this. dream, if you're, if you grew up wanting to be in a superhero movie, like I'm sure he did, because he's a nerd. Oh yeah. Then this is a sacrifice he's 100 percent willing to make, and good for him. Oh yeah, I um. There are a so it's of, not like it's torture. It probably is really hard to do, oh, which is why we don't do it. But at the end of the tunnel, he's going to be in a Marvel movie. I, so that's I pretty have awesome. To, I, even with the, that end of the tunnel of, yes, I get to be in a Marvel movie, I am 100% certain that there were moments that he felt like this this is not worth it. To get, <laughs> to get his body looking as insane as it is, there, there is no way that it, that he just didn't feel tortured at some point. And I don't. He was never in bad shape. He was always like in pretty good shape. I, he might have been a little skinny fat, like when he first came here and started doing stand up. But even in the last, I don't know, like five years or so, I've seen him in things, and you can tell like he's in better shape than he's letting on in whatever he's acting in. Like he's trying to look a little schlubby, but you could tell he, you're like, eh. He, like even in a Stuber. Stuber, he plays like this wimpy guy and he has no fighting abilities and he's weak and stuff like that. But you can tell like just I think that's part of what his jawline and stuff like that. You're like, he's in better shape than he's letting on. <laughs> I think that's part of what made it for me. Uh, you know, I've, I've followed Kamel for since 
before he was in Silicon Valley, you know, I just podcasting and things like that. I'd been listening to the podcast that he did with his wife for the nerdy podcast he did with his wife for a while. Mm-hmm. I think uh Silicon Valley taken <laughs> off was kind of around where he uh they stopped doing that. I know he did that. He did voice work in the last the crappy Mass Effect game. <laughs> uh just so this is a guy I'd been following for a while. So, you know, and through podcasting the the byproduct with that is you feel like you end up getting to know the people and that you're their buddy and all that stuff. So right. Kumail has kind of always, he's a, he's a somewhat soft spoken guy, kind of self deprecating and things like that. So then just like all of a sudden this, <laughs> this picture of like just insanely MCU ripped Kumail was like, Whoa, it, it, it was just surprising and like disturbing briefly. <laughs> but uh, the way I kind of reconciled it in my head is I was like, I feel like I, I had been a, a fan of Crispin Glover for a long time. If I saw a picture in, say, 1995 of Crispin Glover insanely ripped, I would have the same moment of like, wow, I really like Crispin Glover, but that is, I'm, I'm kind of, my brain is kind of broken by what I'm seeing right now. Wasn't he pretty ripped in the Charlie's Angels movie? I don't know if you ever saw him shirtless. I don't know if you ever did either, but you saw him like fighting. And it in seemed fact, like. I will say, I will say as much as. I, I don't I, I I hope I never get to see Crispin Glover with his clothes off. Well, I mean, I don't really want to see very many people with their clothes off. To be honest with you, I don't you should open up your mind more, Travis. I, I may maybe <laughs> yeah. I think shirts are pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, and again, that might be part of it too. Is just generally, I don't see a lot of guys with their shirts off outside. Of, well, okay, okay. This goes into another thing. Is talking about this a little bit. Uh, some of the reactions that I saw were uh, sort of along the lines of like, we as a society kind of like specifically maybe like Asians and kind of brown people like East Indian and type things like that. They want to desec- they they are meant to be desexualized and seeing a guy like Kumail, who can you think of another guy that looks like Kumail that you've seen in that sort of, um, I mean, there's a few wrestlers that are that are Muslim that are pretty ripped, but other than that, no. So it's not just, really. I think some of the reaction to that is it's like this duality. Uh, another here's a tweet that I saw that really threw me. This one really threw me, and I'm gonna read it. I, I've got it up here, and I want to read it because it. I cannot get to the bottom of this tweet. Quote. I think Disney's practice of taking schlubby comedy guys and giving them millions of dollars to arduously transform themselves into muscle monsters so they can star in Disney movies is deeply creepy, like they're manufacturing purposefully toothless sex symbols. Travis, what does that mean? I don't know, but I The read that I get on that, the read that I get on that is, hey, funny, approachable guys, stay in your effing lane. We want... I don't know what it is this person is trying to say they want. When they say toothless sex symbols, that just seems really mean to... That seems like a really mean thing to say to someone. I don't even know what it means. Uh, uh, To me, like... Kumail being in this movie and getting into really good shape is cool for, like, nerdy people. Even, like, Chris Pratt. I mean, I've made jokes about Chris Pratt's a sellout because he got skinny. I mean... (laughs) He's kind of a nerd too. I mean, it's cool for them to do that. Cuz usually if you get like 
I don't know what Brad Pitt's backstory is, but I can't imagine he read very many comic books when he... Maybe he did. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but you just don't think Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio were, you know, super nerdy or anything like that when they were kids. But you know Kumail was nerdy. So for him to get the shot to be in this or... I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of anybody else that's in the MCU that is probably like, just like putting their fingers together, you know, like, oh, this is so amazing that I'm here. I'm a part of this because I've dreamt, dreamt of this my whole life. I think the people that were like that grew to hate it. I think Chris Evans is a guy like that who grew to feel uh, oppressed by it. Just imagine if Simon Pegg got super ripped to be in one of these movies or something. I mean, yeah. would, would, would that bother you? It wouldn't bother me. I don't know. No, it, I don't it, know what that post is even that supposed post, toothless, that, approachable post, pe- what? I, I swear know. to God, that post feels to me like all I can get out of that is, hey, guy with Kumail Nanjiani's head and Kumail Nanjiani's voice, you can't have that bottom half. One thing I do wonder is if you're going to get a Kumail, why do you have to make him ripped? Vin Diesel's nerdy. Vin Diesel's also not that ripped. Vin Diesel's muscly. No, no he's muscly. But he's, he's not that ripped. He's certainly not that ripped. But it, it, like I said, it just goes into that. That is a really weird thing to say. It is weird. And the only thing I can think of when, when a person like that says the, this weird phrase, toothless sex symbol, the only thing I can pull out of that is Kumail's head and his voice is what's driving that comment. Maybe. Because the, there have been people who are muscly like that and who are nerdy. Yeah. I think Hollywood just, I mean, and I guess we're the problem because we're the ones that buy the stuff that Hollywood is selling. But why do you have to be the sexiest person on the planet to be in a movie? Like even character actors. Remember when we were a kid, character actors just looked like regular people. They still even, do. Even Tom Selleck is Magnum P.I. I mean, he was a handsome guy, but is he like handsome, oh, yeah. handsome for now? No. <laughs> The sex symbol. He was, that was kind of regular looking, handsome guy. The sex symbol that was Burt Reynolds is kind of hilarious. Yeah, Burt Reynolds is a, another great example. He's he was an, a handsome guy, but he wasn't like the most gorgeous but person you've ever seen. That's also not a that is a weird and 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 I will maybe give credence to I I don't think this was the point of that tweet, but I have felt for a while that the shape that the they get people in for the MCU stuff is a little weird. It is unsustainable and it's not realistic. Although having read comics, look at the women. They in the draw comic them books. that way, right? It, well, look at the women, women, especially men and women. They draw them that way. Have you ever seen a woman with a waist that small? Oh man, like that. I mean, that's not realistic. The way that costumes cling to women, the way they draw them in comics, it's it's an aesthetic choice, right? And I don't necessarily frown upon it if you can look at it in a vacuum of aesthetics. Mm-hmm. It can get kind of gross at times, certainly. Uh, Spider-Gwen is one of those characters that she wears a hoodie, Mm -hmm. but it is a very, like, (laughs) it is a very clingy hoodie in a lot of... But again, it's like an... I don't know. I don't entirely know what to say. I guess I have maybe complicated feelings about artistic choices that way, but that ain't what we're talking about. Sex sells. I mean, it's just like when we were talking a few episodes ago about, uh, like elderly women in commercials now are like they're all the Helen hey. Mirren looking we've talked about Aunt gorgeous May. women we've talked about Aunt yeah. May and you seem Aunt perfectly May. fine with Aunt May 
Well, uh, that's because I, I really enjoy Marissa Tomei, but I was fine when it was a, you know, old. Certainly. Make you some casserole Aunt May, you know? <laughs> put some fair, Put some Kellogg's cornflakes to on the top. To be fair, I've always wondered if you are a 15-year-old kid, how do you get an 80-year-old aunt? I mean, that's entirely possible. <laughs> if you have older parents and then say she's like the oldest of 10 <laughs> and your parent is the youngest that's she possible was, she had she had peter in her 50s when her parents had her when they were in their 50s exactly that's how it and works they, but they also started having kids when they were 20 but what if aunt may was really only like 40 but that was <laughs> but she just lived she'd smoke like 19 packs of cigarettes a day well back <laughs> back in the olden days like think about your she parents just, when you were a kid never use sunscreen you thought your parents were a hundred when you were a kid yeah and they weren't they were like 20, 25 years older than you. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> so you're so we're saying like uh, Sam Raimi, Aunt May was maybe 47. Maybe. Yeah, she just she'd had a hard life. Seems reasonable. Seems <laughs> seems perfectly. Hey, you know what? Bottom line. Good and, for you, Kumail. And you know what? Marissa Tomei is probably like 55. Bottom line. Good for you, Marissa Tomei. Yeah. But all but also bottom line, people who are criticizing Kumail, look within. Think yeah. about who you're really criticizing. Stop being so uh, superficial. <laughs> you know, be superficial all you want, but hey, just think about the way that you're being superficial. Yeah. I was I was superficial about it. Like it when I first saw I sent you that picture when I first saw it, I'm like, this I'm really having a hard time with this. Yeah, and I think it's great for him. Awesome. I just don't understand like if you're gonna get Kumail because you like his personality or um, it, you know his his comic timing or something. Why does he have to be ripped to be in this movie? I don't know. Do, but is, is that what he's doing? I, I would assume. Is that is that why they got Kumail Nanjiani, or are they? Hey, look, how many? Is he going to be a serious character? Maybe. Maybe. maybe, maybe. I don't know. But it seems like Doesn't it's going to be. But it seems like it's going to be a pretty humorless movie. And, so maybe that's why you bring him in look, because what, what are what are the Eternals as far as you know? <laughs> I have no idea. I've never They're, even heard of them before this movie I got am, started. Uh, maybe I. I can't imagine I Angelina Jolie's going to be dropping comic bombs. I don't know a ton about them. I think they're gods. Basically. Sure, why not? Gods. Why not? So they give them that. They give them that god bod, yo. Are they going to have like a you know throwback '60s music like Guardians of the Galaxy? Is that what it's going to be like? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. God Here's some hooked on a feeling. One. Oh, anyway. Oof. So let's get into elephant number two. It's the Bantha in the room. Yeah. Uh, Rise of Skywalker impressions are coming out and it's it's sounding dicey, my man. I'm not really paying attention to anything anybody's saying about it, to be honest. Voices that I trust sound like it's not going to be a great finish to the saga. I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to get super like worried about it. But I've seen a few people that have seen it, and they said it was really, really good. So, and they're not like professional critics; they're just they're fans. They're they're in the same oh, yeah, I'm universe not, that you and I are in. You know I'm what I mean? I'm not talking about profe- like I said. I'm talking about voices <laughs> that I trust, and that's not generally professional critics or like capital C critics. I'm I'm not worried at all about liking it. I think I'm going to like it because i liked the other ones i there's things in the prequels that i found that i was like all right i like this there's things i didn't like but like i told you i started re-watching phantom menace i only got to the pod race 
And there's a like anything Jar Jar, just like, oh, this why? <laughs> Jar Jar. If I had a time machine, like, oh, I would go find George Lucas and I'd show him a copy and I'd be like, come on, look at this. Just watch it. Just look at it. George Lucas is, George Lucas is a fascinating individual. And I, I, I think I've told you from listening to uh, Star Wars Minute, they talk a lot about sort of original intent. Like they have, they have like first draft script stuff that they read. And some of the things that George Lucas initially wanted to do, and the one that always stood out to me, and I think I've talked to you about, is uh, on Dagobah, uh, George Lucas's first pass was the, the ghost of Obi-Wan. Uh, I think it was Yoda and the ghost of Obi-Wan summoned the ghost of Anakin. Instead of the dark cave, that's what happens. Uh-huh. So, and, it, and it's another one of those things that a lot of the great things about Star Wars, the George Lucas whole cloth will talk about that he, you know, he was totally on board with the whole time. <clears throat> Sometimes listening to some of the things they've said about original script sounds like, George Lucas had people saying like, hey, you know, maybe what if we did this, George? And that's where a lot of those great ideas come in from. In the original three? Yeah. Where the prequels came along and he just had yes men around him. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of they talk about is I think it's his ex-wife was initially a big influence on his editing practice. I think it mm. was. I could be way up my butt, but it was something about his ex-wife. And once they split, you know, it was just... It was, you know, you get that's where you get McClunky from. She was the muse. I still haven't seen the McClunky. I mean, I'll get to it eventually. I don't know if I'll ever watch it it's on exactly. It's, it's just it. what it sounds like. <laughs> I, I, he's got these weird these weird scenes where they're never right, and he keeps going back and changing. It's like, come on, George, just let it go. Just let it go. Introspection. Everybody loved it. Uh, you know, why change it? Self-analysis can be a very dangerous prospect. Overanalyzing your what you think are your flaws mm-hmm. can really lead down some dark paths. But but when it's the, it, a misguided analysis, the inverse is true. Of George Lucas seems to be perfectly incapable of looking at things that that uh, he maybe had a bad take on and saying, you know what, maybe someone else is right. Which is okay. Here's something I was thinking about today. The prequels. Yes. I've heard uh, of them. George Lucas has a singular vision. Mm-hmm. And despite critical reception, plunges forward and makes three bad movies. The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. The Last Jedi, more than Force Awakens, is a singular man's vision. Right. I genuinely love both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. But The Last Jedi, having uh, you know watched it for, a si- for the second time recently, uh-huh. really, I am kind of amazed that Disney let that movie be made. So you have a singular man's vision that, from, what, from, from initial word that I'm hearing about Rise of Skywalker, from multiple sources, from voices that... I don't consider to be like extreme voices. A lot of what I'm hearing is Rise of Skywalker does a lot of work to kind of pull back as best they can on things that, quote unquote, the fans were upset about. So you have these two opposing forces of... Like what? Killing which, Han and killing way, Luke? <laughs> by No. No. Of things like Grumpy Luke and 
you know, the Rose Tico character. And Luke like was that. always kind of like whiny and grumpy in the original movies. Well, sure. But, you know. So it just makes sense that as, as a man in his 60s who's seen all the things he's seen, he's going to be grumpy. Well, the thing. Yoda that, was grumpy a little bit. You know what I mean? The hatred isn't the grumpy. The hatred is Luke didn't come save everybody. Luke, Luke didn't come save everybody. Yeah, but he couldn't. He couldn't save everybody. I mean, that's it's kind of... But that's what fans wanted. That's what, the, that's what there was a huge backlash of. Luke Skywalker is supposed to come and save the Rebellion. I mean, he saved... He did save the, the Rebellion in the original movies, and look what happened. They just formed another empire. Now they're the resistance... Or the... What are they even called in this one? In the new ones? I can't even remember anymore. Not the Empire, but the... The New Order. The New Order, yeah. So he defeats the Empire, kind of. And as we're seeing in uh, The Mandalorian, by the way, did you really defeat the Empire? Yeah. I mean, you, you blew up the Death Star twice. Well, I mean, even... But the, the Empire was always still there. Even in the old expanded universe, that was the same thing, is that you know the Empire didn't just go away. You defeat the Nazis in World War II. Does that mean there's never any Nazis anymore? No. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the reality of it. You can't just because you win a battle doesn't mean you change people's thinking. The fan backlash was largely the impression, the impression people wanted to get from the force awakens was Luke Skywalker was hiding out on this Island, waiting for the person to come to be taught and to unlock them. When the fact of the matter is, or at least what the last Jedi became was Luke Skywalker ran from his problems in shame and hid and, he was he was never waiting for anyone. Well, that he was him in the found. corner. That was him in the spotlight, losing his religion. Yeah, yeah, and, and amazingly beautiful things come from it. So, the again the inverse of you have a singular man's vision, shielding himself from criticism, makes three bad movies when he really could have used someone saying, "Hey, buddy, maybe you've lost your way." The, the inverse is you have The Last Jedi, a singular man's vision who, you know, uh, disregarding criticism made a beautiful thing that now, from some of the initial word that I'm hearing on Rise of Skywalker is, another man came along and said, hey, you people that we pissed off, we're going to try and make the one that you want. And right now it's sitting at 56%. On Rotten Tomatoes, I could care less about Rotten Tomatoes. I know you could care less about that, but that hasn't happened with any of the. That didn't happen with the Last Jedi with the reception that it it got. Just a look to expand on Luke a little. The thing about Luke, Luke was never actually really a Jedi. All the other Jedi trained their entire lives to be a Jedi. He took like a I don't know two or three days worth of lessons from Yoda, and then that was it. That was his entire Jedi training was like a couple days in Dagobah he did like a little a little boot camp it was Jedi boot camp and then he started calling himself a Jedi and maybe he found out you know when he started training Jedi maybe he was like yeah um I am not this and I don't think I want to be this and that's why he became bitter about it because it really wasn't I mean he was fair force sensitive about, of, of it course. wasn't about I don't want this Luke actually says Luke says, uh, upon that second watch, he literally says, I should have never done this. Yeah. And I think that's what, I think he jumped into saying he was a Jedi so fast. He was never actually a Jedi. 
And then when he actually started learning more, he got the Jedi tablets and all that stuff. I think he was like, nah, this is not a good thing. This he, is He hasn't read those. He hasn't read them? That's one of the things Yoda says to him. He's like, so you've read these? And he, goes, and he kind of, oh, 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 oh. and Yoda says, like, they're not exactly page turners. Oh, maybe I didn't Luke catch that. Luke never read any of it. Well, maybe that's why he's so bitter about it. It's... Because he, like, he's like an open micer that starts calling is, himself a comedian. That was part of the huge backlash against The Last Jedi is there is a vocal fan base who said, this isn't who Luke Skywalker is supposed to be. No, that's who... It's, I think it's exactly who Luke Skywalker is because he was never a Jedi. He went and trained a couple days with Yoda. Then he went to go fight uh, Darth Vader, got his butt whooped, got his hand cut off, and then just kept calling himself a Jedi with no more training. Every other Jedi in the prequels had been Kyle, a Jedi their entire life. You and I, you and I are not. I, I'm exactly with all the stuff right. you're saying. That's why I'm saying. So again, I don't think Ryan Johnson's having, depiction of Luke was far off. I really yeah, don't. He, uh, Travis, I think outside of Canto, by which I'm, it's. I don't know that I'm ever going to come around on. That just seemed like a completely different movie. Is my problem with it? I adore that. I adore the Last Jedi. I think Ryan Johnson had an amazing take on all that stuff. I had green milk today. How was it? Delicious. It, you can get it. It's like meadow gold or something. The, did you make the face? No, this is good. It's <laughs> a. It's for Christmas time. It's a vanilla mint flavored milk. It's, I don't think that's what that tasted del- like. I don't think so either. But this was good. I mean, it's a galaxy far, far away though. So who yes, knows? yeah. If you can try Which, it, try it. You know. Okay. Anyway, back to what so you were saying. We'll just. Uh, Again, having not seen it, word that's coming out sounds like Ryan Johnson did some really cool things and J.J. came along and said, eh, J.J. came along and maybe had, you know, someone, Kathleen Kennedy standing behind him going like, now do what we told you to. And J.J. (laughs) said, eh, okay. Which, again, I don't even want to get down on J.J. Abrams so much because J.J. Abrams made The Force Awakens. And then he had to watch, as much as I love The Last Jedi, he had to watch Ryan Johnson come along and say, okay, the story you were telling, I have this idea that is completely, it's brilliant, but it's completely counter to everything you've done. And then Disney came along and said, okay, J.J., you need to finish the story. And I'm sure, J- I feel like J.J. Abrams comes in this going, well, I had an idea of how I wanted to end the story. What do I do? I guess I end the story how I was maybe going to end it. I don't know. I just I don't think J.J. Abrams had a. I don't think he was the right guy to finish this personally. I think he did such a great job with The Force Awakens, but where Ryan Johnson left it, I, I think they, I, I don't know. I I don't know. I just I'm getting a feeling that it, I'm not going to feel great about how they end the saga. But I'll probably I will also at the same time probably watch and go like I had a good time watching this. Sure. I mean, obviously, the story of the saga is Kylo Ren and Rey. It's their story. So everything else is just kind of moving parts within their story. So if the whatever happens with them is what he originally meant to happen, how they get there isn't know, as important as long, as long as it has a good ending to it. I don't know. I, or I guess also... Uh a lot. The thing I keep uh, I keep seeing pop up is that uh, Rise of Skywalker is very fan servicey, which is something that I like. 
So, I mean, you're talking to the wrong guy if you want to. If and if somebody wants to call fan service a criticism, you're talking to the wrong guy because the, all the fan service in the Mandalorian, I love all the fan service in uh, the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, I love. Well, and I guess you and I will have to de- agree to disagree on that because we've talked about one of the one of the touch points I get on is I I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with fan service if it's if there's a level level of subtlety, mm-hmm. which the least subtle to me was the Rogue One, Doctor Evazan and Pona Baba thing of there was no reason for that to be there other than that. Hey, these guys were in A New Hope, right? Was that Rogue One or was that Solo? I forget now. No, that was Rogue One. Okay, it was Rogue One. The, again, because that was par, part of the issue I had with that was okay. They bumped into these characters who are going to be in the cantina across the galaxy, exactly where the rebel plans are going to end up a couple of days from now. By the way, this planet is going to explode later today. <laughs> so that it was one of those things. It's like, they, they, don't just try to be more subtle. It was very, it was like just a hammer. It, going, it didn't. I remember liked it. these two guys in the first movie. I liked it. I, it didn't bother me at all. I really did. When I saw him, I was like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that that's kind of stuff. stuff doesn't bother me. That kind of stuff, like, in it, that's like frosting on the cake for me. Honestly, yeah. that's it. Just makes it a little better for me. I just I like it to be like solo. So something about solo, <clears throat> that movie can be goofy as it wants to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a hard time figuring out why that part of Rogue One bothered me. But the whole of Solo, I had no issues with. Maybe it's just a tonal thing because Rogue One was so just, uh, it was like life or death. The entire movie was just like everything was riding on it. Because you knew, I mean, you knew what's a part of A New Hope. And it's a huge part of it because if they don't get those plans, they don't blow up the Death Star. Yeah. So there's just like, they put everything on, on red for that movie. You know what I mean? So to have something a little silly, maybe that's what takes you out of it. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Let's talk about the Mando. Yeah, let's transition. Let's let's transition into Mando. We're going to talk about the Bill Burr episode. Mando talk, baby. Which was episode six, I believe, right? Yes. Episode six. Yes, perhaps. I think it was six. Hmm? It was a heist episode. (laughs) I love heists. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen in this episode until I saw it. I have told you I've been having the issue where it's kind of weirding me out that this is a very monster of the week show. And this episode was still that, but I did have a lot more fun with this episode than most of the other ones. You got Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown was, so (laughs) I feel like uh, Bill Burr was the thing that you were like rooting for. I didn't know that was Clancy Brown right away. Like, I, it took I me a like, couple lines, and then that I was like, "That seems like Clancy Brown." Yeah, but I'm like, Clancy Brown's getting pretty up there at this point. Is that? And at the end, I saw they're like, "Clancy, yeah." <laughs> so, I can't remember and, um, what it was he said, and I was I asked my son, I was like, "Is that Clancy Brown?" He's like, "Yeah, I didn't know until I saw the credits." Uh, I am not. Uh, I I dropped off the Harry Potter movies pretty early. Uh, the The Twilight Girl was the girl what could shape shift in the Harry Potter. Oh, movies. really? Yeah. Oh, uh, what was her name? She had like a really, a really English yeah, I was, name. I had kind of dropped off. She like, marries. Uh, she marries the the werewolf does professor. She? Really, Lupin? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, she marries Professor Lupin. 
And then they have a kid together. They both get murdered, and Harry wasn't, ends up raising their kid. Wait a minute now. Remus Lupin. Wasn't that... Wait, no. Wasn't that Gary Oldman's character? No. Gary Oldman is Sirius Black. He wasn't a werewolf? No, he was a... He turned into a just a like a dog. Lupin turned into <laughs> I mean, a werewolf. Okay. No. Yeah. No, the, wasn't, no Lupin was the, Lupin the was, weird girl. Because they called her Looney Lupin. No, that was Luna Lovegood. Remus Lupin was a werewolf, also I slash I, professor. I'm sure you're more of an expert on this than <laughs> I am, so I should just let I should just back up and let. I can't you remember. This one. It's bugging me that I can't remember her name in the in the movie. I didn't realize that was her though. I I saw side by sides, and I mean okay. she's wearing a lot of late a lot of makeup, and you probably right. haven't seen her for a while. And she had uh, sharp teeth. Do the Twi'leks had- always have? Like fangs? Uh, I don't know if always. I don't know if I've know ever if noticed it, uh, it. I know Bib Fortuna had them, them sharpie teeth. Yeah, Bib Fortuna. De Wanawanga. Pijaba no bada. <laughs> <laughs> man, the the original trilogy was so good at. I don't know, man. It, it it probably just comes from being a kid, but God, the original trilogy, those small bit parts stood out so bold. Right. For me, and it might just be I was a kid. Maybe if you're a kid now, you look at, you know, old butthole eyes and go like, man, I remember butthole eyes. Well, like I'm watching uh, Phantom Menace and Boss Nos. I was like, all right, you get Brian Blessed to pay this character and then you make him like go and stutter. And yeah, it was like, this is just terrible. Like Brian Blessed was like a very gifted actor. Travis, where do they have to where do they have to go through? The planet core again, like again, just like so many weird choices. Right? Yeah, that's Why what it is. Why did he even look like that? He didn't look like any of the other Gungan. Because he was the boss. <laughs> His name is Boss. Boss Nas. He was born uh, Boss Nas. You know, so barf. he can go faster than the rest of them because he's got Nas. <laughs> <laughs> he just, no, it's a, that's why. I need he, more Nas. <laughs> no, I okay. I got a better take, Travis. The reason that he has all those ticks and stuff like that isn't those aren't cultural. That's not like he's having a stroke. No, it's a matter of like he's just got too much energy because he's been drinking too much NOS. <laughs> Speaking of drinking, I'm drinking this uh, Monster Mule. A fine, it's delightful. It's a ginger brew. You know, so you. It's you know, a non-alcoholic. Uh, I was gonna say you Moscow drink, so Mule, you, basically. You've never you've never had a Moscow Mule. I have to imagine, right? No. They are, but this del- is delightful. They are delicious. This is delicious. Be. I'm really loving this. I I, uh, I I I can actually make a Moscow Mule. Oh yeah, and they are delicious. I know they have to go in a copper cup. I they know that n- about them. Yes, true. I have copper cups, my man. Oh wow. Uh, not a complicated recipe, but uh, <laughs> I can make them. Uh, 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 judging by what's in this can, I'm saying ginger, some lime, and uh, probably some alcohol of some sort. You are absolutely 100% Because this is gingery and limey. Ginger, lime, and uh, vodka. Ah. Generally the jam on that. Vodka. 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 Anyway, back to the Mandalorian. (laughs) Fun episode. Now, uh, we talked, I I think I I brought this up with you earlier. I saw a great tweet that was to the fact of uh, Bill Burr's appearance in the Mandalorian refers to there being a space boston yeah yeah i mean kind of that's that's not 100 percent wrong maybe that's where the you know the the rebellion started <laughs> space they, threw, they threw some imperial tea into the harbor <laughs> the, the, 
the space socks didn't win and they yeah. started this <laughs> space riot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are different around here now, man. <laughs> so it's funny. I like his little gun that pops up. That's yes, pretty cool. I don't know how he gun. controlled it. It's but. not even like a it's like a shoulder holster that he hooks a pistol to. Yeah, more or less. And then it just shoots. I don't know yeah. if he has like some sort of mind control over can, it or Yeah, mind control. Is it like Maybe it just shadows one of the guns and just shoots in the same place? I don't know. It was cool. Like that was it might be one of my favorite episodes to that point, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cuz it was just fun. There was a lot of humor in it. Yeah, you got to see the Mando actually like take out a bunch of droids. Those droids were cool too. Yeah, neat droids. Yeah, and when he, when he blows a hole, those in big the side floating of the ones. Window. Those big floating ones. Oh yeah, the Clancy remember, Brown like starts remember, throwing them around. Do you remember seeing those? Yeah, and those are like in my OG son goes trilogy, exterminate, yeah. exterminate. Oh no, no, <laughs> like those, they were Daleks. Those things are actually in the OG trilogy. Are they? They're like background set dressing. Okay. Yeah. So. I probably vaguely remember them. I think maybe they reminded me of uh, uh, the ones on Empire Strikes Back, the the ones that land on Hoth. The probe droids? Yeah, the probe yeah. droids. They do look a little bit like that. I don't think you ever actually saw them move. Again, I, I probably not. If I if my memory is serving me correctly, because I, I played the Decipher Star Wars card game and all kinds of stuff ended up getting used for cards in that, and I... I think those are somewhere on Tatooine hmm. in uh, Mos Eisley. That's the thing about the original trilogy is you could watch it several times and see new stuff every time because there was so much in the background. Where you watch the prequels and you're just watching Jar Jar because he's Jar Jar because you just can't take your eyes off the train wreck. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, we're, we're old dogs. <laughs> There's something so charming and just... So much more imagination capturing about a mask for some reason. Yeah. When you have CGI and you start noodling out an idea of like, well, what would biology really look like? And how floppy would their skin be? It, <laughs> feel, it gets weird fast. Yeah, like the Twi'leks, like uh, whatever they are on the top of their, like the head boneless tails. arms on the top of their head. <laughs> boneless chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what purpose they serve. I wish that they would explain that. I don't know what purpose they serve, but they're yeah. making me weirdly horny. Are they supposed to do that? I mean, maybe like <laughs> maybe on a particular not not the ones that were on there, but maybe some <laughs> like there was some attractive Twi'leks Travis, in uh, yeah, the Clone let Wars you leave cartoon. My house until you admit that Bib Fortuna kind of hot. Bib Fortuna, no, not so much. <laughs> nah, he always freaked me out. Like lack of eyebrows, I think, is what it is. You, you you distrust the you distrust Whoopi Goldberg is that what I'm hearing? It's not that I distrust. It just it just throws you off. You got to get used to it. Yeah, that's all. Okay. I, I the eyebrows are like the nipples of the face. Hmm. You know, it just if they're not there, it just looks weird. I don't know if I can agree or disagree. It's a, with it's that. a subconscious thing that you don't even think about. But when they're not there, you don't necessarily I have notice. Notice when it's cold outside, I tend to look more alarmed. Yeah. Exactly. It's just a trigger. Yes. <laughs> ping, ping. So, um, um, I'm trying to think if there was much out of that episode other than it's just a fun uh, heist. Billbird drops Baby Yoda. <laughs> Did you notice that? Did he? Yeah, he's holding him and he like pretends like he's going to drop him. And then they actually go like start driving all crazy because that uh, the droid is driving. Yeah. And they all start like slamming around. In, in the 
in the ship and he drops Yoda on the ground. Oh. Baby Yoda on the ground. It's 50 years old. <laughs> His bone structure is significantly I know, but I think why, we're gonna, why put it? It bothered We're going to find out in the last episode of Mandalorian, like the last scene is going to be Baby Yoda pulls out a stogie. It's, ah, I knew how to talk the whole time. <laughs> He's the baby from uh, Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. It was a fun episode. I love high stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's a glimpse into his past a little bit, which is kind of cool. I guess. And I, I kind of like the ragtag group of, like, just kind of creatures that you've seen from the original trilogy that you wanted to know more about. Like, you wanted, you know, to see a Twi'lek fight in real, you know, was cool. To see the horn guy, the Clancy Brown guy. Travis, that's a Deveronian. Okay, I don't remember all of their names. I used to know them, but they now, don't say it in any of the now shows. I'm, but it's definitely no, because I I remember reading the books. Uh, there's one about like all of the tales of the cantina or something like that. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure it talks about. It. So I used to know this stuff, and now okay. I just go, "What's it called?" I'm going to give you a one-time opportunity, Travis, to call out the obviously weirdest thing from Tales in the Cantina. <sighs> I don't remember everything in it. <laughs> there was a standout of like, so you find it, it's like the Deveronian's tale, the Jawa's mm-hmm. tale, the you know the bartender's tale, the snot vampire, the snot vampire, the snot vampire. Maybe I didn't read that one. You remember, I don't that, remember dude? that one? Uh-uh. There's a dude. He's got like kind of a pig nose, and he's like smoking out of a hookah. He's a snot vampire. So he like sucks people's snot. He, uh, he I think he like refers to it as essence or something like that. But it's, I, I think it's actually called the snot vampire's tale. <laughs> I, like I think that. it is, but it's it's one of those things that stuck out as like, yeah, that was you didn't stick the landing on that. But it was always cool because you see that guy in uh, A New Hope just for a glimpse. You see him kind of looking all shifty in his horns, and he kind of yeah. looks evil. And you kind of wonder, like, what's his story? So now you get to find out. You get to see one of them in action, and he's super strong, and he's sarcastic just like the rest of them. I think what the... Um I think the kind of new new mythologies, the Disney stuff, uh, something in their favor maybe that uh, was bad. And, and I think Star Trek had this problem too is um, every race can only do one thing. They're, ra- they're like a race of warriors or they're a race of intellectuals or they're yeah. a race of you know cowards or a race of st- – in a lot of cases, they make a race of space Jews without it's, saying we made a race of space Jews. It's a Jews. little small-minded and simplistic. So it's it kind of it comes less of like that. It's that, not just I mean the Clancy Brown character is just one guy who happens to be that race, right? Well, you look at like even like uh, comic books and stuff like that. You look at well the the Cree, they're a race of this or yeah the all uh, all scrolls. Are this, you know, they're they all, all they're all shape shifting evil people, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's just a, a human. It's mythology, a though. human nature type thing. <clears throat> Dwar- hey, dwarves are all, you know, they all love gold and they <laughs> they like axes. You know, elves are all like space or not space. <laughs> elves are all like lithe, kind of look down on the rest of everybody. It's, <laughs> you know. But overall, that was that was a fun episode. The, it didn't really like like you've said several times it didn't really accomplish anything i mean i guess he got paid at the end but i really think it's gonna wrap back around somehow of course well i don't know we got to see tie fighters at the end because they they blew the ship up 
Travis, those were X-Wings. Yeah, sorry. Oh my God, Travis. Sorry, I <laughs> I jumped ahead to the next episode. Travis? <laughs> Travis, Spoiler how, did you, alert, Travis we're recording, how have you seen the new episode? We're recording two episodes in one night. Travis, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I am definitely not making references to everything being filler without knowing that it's not filler at some point. Yeah, I'm trying I'm trying to, really hard. Travis. Not, not to mention the one I watched today. You have today, banged but... me over and pulled down my pants and exposed me to everyone. <laughs> Take a good look, everybody. <laughs> Wink for the camera. <clears throat> anyway, yes, it was X-wing fighters. You got, and they were wearing like the the classic like shiny orange suits and stuff. It was yeah. cool. It was it was cool to see that again. It was just like a new hope all over again. It is funny watching the Last Jedi. Is like there's Dave Filoni or... was one of those pilots, by the way. Who that Dave Filoni? The guy that uh, he basically was the showrunner for the Clone War series. And oh, he's, really? He's directed a few episodes of. Uh, the Mandalorian. There's some dude that's one of the X-wing pilots in the new trilogy. <clears throat> kind of a beefier dude, and I know I know him from somewhere. But is I is it can't. Greg Grunberg? I don't know. I guess I'll look up a, uh, a picture of Greg Greg Grunberg. He was in Alias. He's been in quite a few things. I think he showed up in Lost at one point. He was in Heroes. Remember the show Heroes? Yep, that sure as hell is the guy. Yep, Greg Grunberg. Yeah, I do. And that's the thing is, I don't know where I know. Like, I've watched a little bit of a lot of those shows. And I, think I guess he was, I probably know him from that. He had a small part in Star Trek, I believe, too. I think he's one of the few people <clears throat> to exist in the Star Trek and the Star Wars universe. Ooh. Yeah. He's just one of those that guys. that I think he's really good <clears throat> friends with J.J. Abrams because J.J. created uh, Alias. And yeah. I think he was a big part of the cast of Alias. So I think he's just kind of... Like, he might have been had a part in... Uh, one of the Mission Impossible movies, too. He just kind of shows up in everything kind of that J.J. Abrams does. For some weird reason, he's got a very memorable face, but a, <laughs> but also from a standpoint of like, I don't know where I saw him from, but I definitely know. What was his power in Heroes? I can't even remember what his think, power was. I don't think I ever watched any of Heroes. Oh, really? Yeah. That was a very frustrating show. <laughs> because you wanted everybody to individually like meet each other and team up, and it just never really happened. Yeah, it was just all these individual stories that went nowhere. It was very frustrating to watch. I ra- I wrapped up. Uh, I finished watching. Well, the last episode of Watchmen came out. Uh, last yeah, Sunday. I kind of read like a headline about it saying that it was like a perfect ending to 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 the season. It was my take on it is <clears throat> uh, I wouldn't say it outright stuck the landing. It was more like. You know, you watched an extremely intricate and amazing um, gymnastics routine. Mary Lou Retton. And yeah, like Mary Lou Retton, except for then the last thing she did was a very competent cartwheel. <laughs> okay. So like, I I have absolutely loved Watchmen. I have had the best time watching it. And the last episode was like, there are two or three of these characters that I really like the way you finish things. And then there's maybe two or three, you know, a handful of these characters are like, I just don't feel like you finished. I I just don't feel like you really kind of went all the way where you were. I just like, there's a specific character looking glass that's played by, um, something Nelson. I'm stuck on Craig Charles Nelson. Nelson Riley. The guy from, uh, the guy from the movie, you know, the, you know, guy, the guy from, from the, the movie? movie, the movie that uh, I never saw. Tim Blake Nelson. Okay. Tim Blake Nelson. <sighs> Boy, I got there. He was the leader. 
the leader? Oh yeah, he was he the was leader. He was the leader, wasn't he? yeah. Good gravy. He was yeah, also in a, holes. He is he's in He's Buster Scruggs. He is Buster He's been in a lot. He's a I really like Tim Blake. Now. <laughs> Me too. I enjoy him a lot. I really do like him. His character uh was kind of the the Rorschach analog kind okay. of. I just at the end of it, I don't feel I just didn't feel like his his story got closed. And for all intent and purpose from what Damon Lindelof has said, he feels like he he is told a contained story and he doesn't really he's not opposed to there being more of Watchmen. He doesn't feel like he's got anything left to say about it. And I don't know. So So it was just a one and done? Is that was what their intent for him, was? From what David because I've been listening to a podcast that uh, has been him recapping <clears throat> the episodes for uh-huh. himself for his process and he had a very he had a very specific thing he wanted to say by telling another Watchmen tale. And he feels like he told it. Okay. And he doesn't feel to continue. He, he said to continue it. He doesn't feel like he has, he doesn't feel like he has a story to tell to continue it. I think to, I mean, how many episodes was it? Uh, uh, don't know. <laughs> I think you make something. <laughs> I'm as so lo- bad at remembering that kind of thing. I think it's good to make something as long as it needs to be. I think it might have been be. nine episodes. Maybe. Okay. If that's all you needed to tell the story you wanted to tell, then perfect. And that's, that's I think it's when you, fine. You get into trouble when you start having networks going, but we really want you to do 23 episodes. Yeah. And then that's when you get like filler and you get like these side stories that don't really matter. Yeah, that's it's not character developing. It's just something to kill time. Uh, the, you know, and for the most part, I'm I will say I'm I'm satisfied with the finale. I'm satisfied. I really enjoyed the whole journey. There's just a couple of things that I'm like I just don't I don't know. There there were a few parts of it I just wasn't quite satisfied. With. Okay, were they loose ends? In some, I don't know. That's the thing that I'm saying is with that character specifically. Um, he's meant to be, he seems to be meant to be a big part of it. And he, again, he seems to be sort of, uh, there are the literal P they're the literal characters who survived the Watchmen comic Mm -hmm. who most of show up in the show. And then there are a few characters that are meant to be kind of stand-ins for ones that can't be there or, uh, characters that are carrying on for ones that are, I, I don't know. It's weird. Hmm. So for the, that character, they tell a very specific story of, and then at the end of it, he just doesn't have much to do, it feels like. So there, there were a few things like that that I, I kind of wish I could have gotten a little more closure for, but just because I didn't get closure for it doesn't mean that it wasn't the story to be told. That's, that's a hard Maybe thing. Maybe that's just not the end of his story. That's one of those big things that have, uh, what I was talking to you about of, uh, with the Star Wars thing, and I, I, I want to try not to get bogged down in this, is, and I don't think I said about it, is, I thought about today how each era of the Star Wars trilogy has informed some of how how I absorb entertainment. Be it the first trilogy, you know, really teaching me about the magic of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prequel trilogy being like, as much as you love a thing, they can make really bad versions of it. Sometimes you can't go home again. But I also, but also, I think it got its claws in me, and I think it made me a bad fan. And then this new trilogy. The problem with the the here here's one of the problems with the prequels is by the time the prequels came around, we were in late twenties, early thirties. That's like the most bitter. 
No, we were early 20s. I think the first one was 99, so we were pretty early 20s. Yeah, okay, so we were probably like, yeah, we were early 20s. But that's when you're the most like cynical and bitter. You know, when you first become an adult and you realize, oh, becoming an adult isn't the the thing that I thought it was going to be when I was a kid. And I was like, I want to stay up past my bedtime. I want to be an adult and do whatever I want. And then you become an adult and you realize, oh, the world is full of responsibilities and everybody demanding things from us. So you just become bitter and cynical and everything's garbage and that show sucks and blah, blah, blah. That's not art. You know, you become that kind of person. So that's... That's when the prequels came out, when everybody that grew up loving it was in their cynical phase. And, then, are, and then it was subpar. But they are bad movies. So Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we were, we were super so, critical, and the movies were not as good, and that was a bad combination. I don't even think I was super critical. I think they really are just bad movies. Yeah, yes, but that's when we were at our most critical, like... Maybe you'll see. You'll see when your son I hits even, his early twenties. I will say. I think I am also way more critical now. <laughs> but uh, you know what? But you that's I, when it starts. You and I have different journeys. I'm. I'm. I am literally talking about like my deal was not just that there are bad movies, and not my disappointment was part of it, but another part of it was those movies are what. Look at what happened to Jake Lloyd. Yeah. Look at what happened to, uh, is it Ahmed Best? Was that the guy that was? Yes, Ahmed Look at Best. what happened to him. Yeah. That was a turning point. And I was they are going to bring him back onto Disney Plus to do a Star Wars trivia show. So they're going to at least Good give luck. him a job out of it. <laughs> is he going to be, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Maybe he'll go on there be, and be super charming and people will be like, oh, we should have just shut up about He's Jar-Jar. a super charming guy. Right. He was given garbage to work with. It was garbage. The, the character, that's not what I'm the about. entire Gungan race was garbage. I was a person who. <laughs> Sorry, hated, everybody, but. I was a person who hated what Jake Lloyd did. I was a person who hated what Jar Jar but did. But he was like seven or eight years old. I mean, what but, do you expect? I'm, Trav, I'm, tell, I'm, Trav, I'm talking about my journey. He was brother. in Jingle all the way. I know. I know. I'm saying that that was a place where. I got to be, I wasn't the kind of person that would go out and hound them about that, but I harbored that like bitterness. And then the new trilogy, specifically Last Jedi, taught me about, it it, it taught me about, number one, divorcing that toxicity from criticism for me. Mm -hmm. But it also kind of numbed me to how I can like sort of big things. The, the MCU and the, star, the, the reception to these new Star Wars has numbed me in a lot of ways to, be, to some of my enjoyment of those because it's just, there's so much that goes into it. There's, there's the business side of it that, that bucks so hard against anything that feels like a risk. There's the fan criticism. They're the fans that are such toxic jerks. But they, like we said, they took risks in the Last Jedi, and everybody and freaked so out. Amazed, but, but again, like we're maybe looking at another movie that said, "Hey, we guys, you people that hate you guys, we definitely messed up. Let's uh, let's take. Hey, woof, boy, these women in the movie, ugh, we sh- we surely messed up there. That just, you know, you know, what my biggest problem hey, with. Hey, here's midichlorians again, guys. You, with that stuff that was, I don't know. Oh man! My biggest problem with the the new movies, the the new trilogy, 
is I don't understand Finn or Poe's purpose. And maybe that'll get explained Poe's, in the next movie, but they're just kind of there. Finn, um, I will say that... It, it's definitely Kylo and Rey's story. It's and then it's also bring in the classic characters. So the Finn and Poe purpose, for me, felt like Poe was being utilized in last jedi to temper the idea that you can have that everybody can be han solo it poe's journey was to say hey someone like leia you need to listen to her because poe's big character arc in that is leia organa solo Mm -hmm. the woman who has been through all this stuff told him hey we need to get out of here we've already lost enough we've distracted him for long enough we can get away let's go and Poe shut off his thing, and he sacrificed so much. He sacrificed so many lives. He sacrificed so many resources when they were just going to catch up to him anyway. That dreadnought didn't mean anything in the end. Mm-hmm. They were going to catch up to him anyway. What they did, what he did, was lost lives. And his character arc is saying, "You need to be part of the team." Because I guess technically, um, Han Solo never bucked. Any orders in particular that I can think of offhand. I don't think. I could be wrong. Luke did. Luke shut off his targeting computer. Also, Luke was told by Yoda, don't go. And, and Obi-Wan's ghost. Technically speaking, don't Yoda go was to not Cloud a, City. Yoda and Obi-Wan were not commanding officers. Yeah, but they were they were his Jedi. True. Uh, but even so, that's that's one person's leaders story. And, or whatever. And his story in that is to be taught about having faith in yourself. Poe's journey was Poe was a headstrong hotshot. And he's supposed to learn that uh, what he was doing in Last Jedi wasn't about faith in himself. It was about wanting that glory. It was about him wanting to be the guy that won. Mm -hmm. So his character arc is to be about we're all in this together and you need to be caring about everyone. You don't be caring about the... Because part of the big thing is all those bombers, all the lives in those, they all died on a thing that he wanted to take credit for. Yeah. I don't know. Finn's journey seems to be... I think his his purpose was to bring BB-8 in. (laughs) You know, hey, there you go. Finn's purpose in um, The Last Jedi, it seemed like they were trying to teach him lessons about... um, Not being a coward? He got... Well, he kind of got grandfathered into being a hero based on meeting the right people at the right time when he abandoned. You know, if he doesn't run into Poe and jump ship with Poe, if... Poe doesn't convince him to jump ship. His story ends there. Right. And if he didn't happen to run into Ray, his story ends there. He kind of, you know, what happened in The Force Awakens from maybe a Last Jedi point of view is he kind of went through the motions. He just ran into the right people who helped him be a hero. I just so. think there's side stories that didn't add anything to the Ray and Kylo story, which is what the movies are about. Well, it's hard. It's hard to say. And, and again, that's the hard thing is the singular vision that was The Last Jedi doesn't get to continue into Rise of Skywalker. So maybe Ryan Johnson had a better idea of where Finn could go in the next movie. Maybe. I don't know. I it just I'm, I'm not I'm not very connected to either of those characters. Because it's not like George it's Lucas It's basically what it boils down to. George Lucas didn't direct Empire Strikes Back and he didn't direct uh, Return of the Jedi. Empire was what Irving Kirshner? Uh, I think it was Lawrence Kasdan, wasn't it? 
Maybe Irving Kirshner wrote a Christmas song. I don't know. Maybe that's a maybe that's a combination of I, five names that I just. You, uh, <laughs> boy, I should know better than this. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's Lawrence Kasdan directed. I think Irving Kirshner might have done some writing on it. Okay. I just so. remember that name for some reason. <laughs> anyway, I don't even remember who directed Jedi. Yeah, that one gets lost in the shuffle. Anyway. We've talked a lot about Star Wars. <laughs> so I can't remember where I got off on that tangent where related to Watchmen, but uh, I really I really loved Watchmen, dude. Good. Maybe I'll get to it. I think when they finally come out with that new HBO Warner Brothers combination thing, maybe I'll, I'll get that. Hopefully it'll be on there. Yeah. And I'll watch it. Because I would rather watch that than some of the other stuff that's going to be on there. It's pretty... F- yeah, it's great. Speaking of Ryan Johnson, though. Okay. Guess what I saw, Trav? Did you see Knives Out? I went and saw Knives Out, dude. Did you like it? My I son's seen it. it twice. He loved it, too. I liked it. Um, it. There was a little bit of a weird duality of... It's a little bit less of a whodunit than you necessarily think it's going to be. But it is also an incredibly fun watch with just, like, no bad performances. Everybody is just pulls your eye to them, and uh, <laughs> really fun movie to watch. Uh, Daniel Craig is is uh, Daniel Craig is a, a goofball. A goofball, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's doing that Foghorn Leghorn thing that right. he did in uh, Logan Lucky. Let me get this straight, yeah. <laughs> it's like what if Inspector, or like what if uh, what if some you know, hardcore inspector, but also Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> but it's it is a really fun movie. Everybody's great in it. Well, that's cool. Uh, had a blast watching it. I mean, it does have a great cast: Michael Shannon, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, mm-hmm. Tony Collette, younger people who I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> younger people you don't know, like uh... isn't the kid from uh, uh, It in there? Isn't he? Isn't he in it? Which kid? I don't know. He's a. Is it the one that doesn't come back? I say that like I would have been able to tell. Remember any of the kids from it? You don't they're, remember? They're children. They're invisible. <laughs> did you forget about it? Yeah. You forgot like they did. Oh, spit! I forgot about it. No, I think that's what that kid is in. I think that's what he's from. God, I can't remember anybody that was in it. I think he's the he that plays the one. one that kills himself as an adult <clears throat> that doesn't go back. Haven't seen it too, so don't remember. Spoiler alert. <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't it's a, it's the same as the John Ritter one. Yeah. That's what I call it, the John I have read it and I have watched the TV series, so my lack of memory of what the story is does not It's a fun watch. Me. I mean, it's like 3 hours long. The things I, I rem- like the original one with just the kids better. <laughs> the the sad thing is is that the rem- the things I remember from it are the things that are best left forgotten. <laughs> There's a weird tall gray naked lady. That's weird. It's disturbing. <laughs> it wasn't my cup of tea, but whatever. I will I will also say of the last Jedi and the Force Awakens, they I don't think they ever knew what they were going to do with Phasma. Yeah. I mean, I think that was one of those characters where people got a glimpse of it and they're like, Oh, that's a cool, like a silver looking stormtrooper. That's rad. And then, yeah, they just didn't really write much for it. So uh, it's just one of those things. Well, it wasn't just, it wasn't just looking cool. It was that, uh, that actress, Gwendolyn Christie, like, I think she's really cool. 
Yeah, I mean she's so a, she's a the hope was, Game of Thrones person. The the hope was that she'd be able to bring more to that performance, which it was never really. Yeah, they didn't really do anything. It will. She. I, hey, okay. Here's the thing, Trav. We we were talking about things like Big Fortuna, like those sort of like flash in a pan sort of performances. Really, mm-hmm. do you? I guess that's what Phasma was. Yeah, that's, I guess so. That's what we get about. That's what we get from like say internet culture and that drip of information is. We were kind of led to feel like Phasma was going to be bigger. When really I think that's because they put a name in it. If it was just a no-name actress, it maybe we wouldn't have had that expectation. But when you put somebody like, ooh, she's from Game of Thrones, this is going to be a big part. And then it's not. You're like, what? Daniel, Daniel Craig's in Force Awakens. Yeah, but that, that's a little different because it's just a cameo. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hey, did you happen to see the, the Top Gun Maverick trailer? I watched that before you came over. I am. I was never a huge fan of Top Gun, so it just doesn't do much for me. Top Gun to me is what uh, Roadhouse is to you. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay. Like I see how ridiculous it is, but I still I watch it and I'm like, I, I love the lines in it. I love how ridiculous it is. I love how serious they take oh, everything. It is. You it, lost that love and feeling. It is really too bad that that uh, Swayze was taken from us so early that we could get like the over serious roadhouse <laughs> like catch up yeah that would have been actually kind of cool but i think i mean the trailer looks good it looks like it's gonna be like a legit movie like i will say watching it it wasn't something that i didn't not want to see but i just i don't have that connection to the original top gun so at the at the very ending of the trailer when he like he buzzes over top of everybody and you get like this sonic wave just well I saw that was some pretty stuff. cool apparently he's doing all the he's flying damn jets around oh he's actually flying them that's what appears tom to be the cruise. case i think tom, tom cruise is from another planet settle down man. tom cruise <laughs> jeez i think he's from another planet he's not even human but yeah it Some looks fun he is from Zenu. There, there's a little hint in there that there's like a, a beach volleyball slash there's football not a scene hint in there. there's an outright <laughs> hey by the way playing with the boys the girls are also playing this time who's gonna sing playing with the boys in the updated it version is it sam smith playing too playing with the boys. i don't know who it's gonna be it's gonna be somebody it's it, it'll be like uh remember that song at the beginning of it was it hobbs and shaw where it was like uh oh, kind of yeah oh, who was it, it was like I don't, some, I don't even remember what song it was but I it was knew. like sound of silence or or no it was uh you're thinking of gears of war no <laughs> never, never mind don't worry about it <laughs> no it was like uh jeez i can't remember now it's gonna be a terrible version by somebody that we're never gonna hear from again probably yeah. i don't know i Maybe they'll get Adele to sing it. Again, (laughs) just like I said, I don't have that connection, but I also see it's going to, it'll probably rub me in that same way. Like I said of, you know, 30 years later, all the stuff that happened in the first movie that happened over the course of a couple of days is going to happen over these course of the couple of days. Right. We're going to lose that love and feeling. We're going to play volleyball. You got that there was an Iceman type of guy that's super cocky. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to pull that same move where I go up over you again. Is there a Val Kilmer Val Kilmer is in it. it he, that's what I was going to say. Is there a Val Kilmer cameo? So he is in it? Yeah, he's in it. Okay. I haven't looked at the cast really. I am so. 1 million point Good. 99% sure. I that makes me happy that they, really, that they put Val Kilmer I'm really in pretty sure he's in John Hamm is in it, so it's got I that did see John Hamm. Who is the woman in it? Oh, 
crap. Now I can't remember. It went by. It washed over me so fast. Yeah, bring it up real quick. Bring it up real fast. You want me to bring up just the cast? Yes. Okay. Bring up the cast. Stretch, um, baby. There was a there was a guy in there that kind of looked a little like Goose. He had like a mustache, kind of a nerdy looking guy. I was like, he's gonna die. <laughs> he's definitely the Goose. Goose two. Well, they they also had a scene of him at some sort of military funeral. I'm like, are they are they like you know, anniversary burying. What if it's Goose's? Maybe that's Goose's son with the mustache. Oh no! Remember, Goose had a son. Oh no! What if that's the reason he comes back is so he can teach Goose's son? Are you talking about Jennifer Connelly? Yes. Oh God! Yes, I it was Jennifer Connelly. I only saw him from the back, and I'm like, because at the end when he does the buzz thing, I'm like, that looks like the back of Ed Harris, and it is Ed Harris. It is Ed Harris. Yeah, Val awesome. Kilmer is definitely in it. Dude, that's a good lineup. You get Ed Harris in there. He's yeah. going to be the no-nonsense major or something like that. I certainly like that. do like an Ed Harris. I did Jennifer like, Connelly. I will oh. say I did like the line, like, I didn't think you'd invite me back. Like, Maverick, they're called they're orders. They're called orders, right. Yeah. To me, that's like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bruce Lee's going, if, I, if we get in a fight and I kill you with my hands, they're registered as deadly weapons. I can go to jail. And Brad Pitt's like, yeah, you kill anybody in a fight, you go to jail. It's called manslaughter. <laughs> it was one of those, like, ah, yeah, obvious lines. Yeah. So. Uh, I wanted to talk about one last thing real quick. I know yeah. we're a little, we were planning on doing an hour. We're at an hour ten now. But here, I watched Song of the South. Congratulations. Last night. Yeah. Uh, my son said, don't tell anybody where you got it. So I don't know where I got it. <laughs> you know. I didn't think it was super... In- I've definitely seen a lot of worse things. Um, it's not great. I think if you're thinking that if Disney put it on Disney+, Plus, that it would be this huge hit and they've just been keeping it from us, it's pretty boring. Even the cartoon... I mean, the cartoons are okay. The, the, the Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear stuff. That stuff's okay. zippity Doodah is an amazing song. That honestly, like that is a no, great. I, that's uh, Disney so, history. That's a great song, and you know the actor that plays Uncle Remus, uh, something I can't, I can't remember his first name. His last name is Basket. He kills it. Like the whole movie, he's the highlight without a doubt because he's the one telling the stories. He's the only character in that thing that you care about. But the kids are just like ridiculous. All of the rich white people are ridiculous. It's it, it it's not a good movie. So if you, if you're just like feel like Disney's holding this movie back and they're robbing you of some uh, masterpiece that you just want, it's it's not good. Everybody, it's a bad movie, and I think that's probably why they don't release it because it it is uncomfortable to watch with the depictions of african-american people but it's not worth putting it out there because it's not a good movie if it was a masterpiece they might put it out but it's boring travis how interested would you be in finding out just how bad that movie is capital b bad that movie is what do you mean how bad like ratings or what how like um uh what's the word that i'm looking for i guess toxic is the the thing that i'm like like how much do you want to know about all the really deep bad racism of that movie? You mean like the backstory and stuff like that? Yeah. 
yeah, I've, I know a lot of that stuff. I've I, watched documentaries about it. I ran across, uh, there's a podcast called You Must Remember This, and their second season of it was solely about Song of the South. Hmm. Like, when you say, <laughs> I'm sorry, when you say Zippity-Doo-Dah is a, is a banger, one of the things they go into is that it's really, really likely that the song Zippity-Doo-Dah was sort of crafted based on a song, a very, very racist song from the time, and you'll excuse me for using it, a song of the time called Zip Zip Coon. Hmm. So it's in a vacuum. In a vacuum, I'm sure you can watch um, Song of the South and say, you know, this, I can definitely see the discomfort of this movie, but there's, you know, it's not as bad as people think. It's like, it's, uh, you know, the whole season went into like, boy, a lot went into like that. That was a movie that never should have got made. From I mean, it was made in the forties. If it was made now, you would say that's racist. But in the forties, that's that's another part of that podcast. Is there were many voices at the time who were telling Walt Disney, "You should not make this," and people of color, like organizations of you know people of color, saying, "This is a bad thing. You should stop doing this." Hmm. And Walt Disney was convinced that. Uh, Walt Disney was convinced that secret communists were getting to these organizations and turning them against him. I will say, I don't think the intent, when you watch it, I don't think the intent was to put down black people in watching the movie. I think it was very naive in thinking that, well, if we just have them talk this way, like every black character yeah. in like the I movie said, talk this way. From listening to that podcast, I'm I'm pretty well convinced of that it's it's a pretty nefarious movie. Nefarious? Yeah. Uh, watching it, I didn't feel like it was nefarious. That's what I'm saying. In a modern context, in a complete vacuum, you can look at it and say, this was an insensitive movie that was of, of its time, but all the history that I have currently learned of it is that Walt Disney had been approached several times by people who said, you are doing a bad job of de- depicting black people. You are doing a bad job. You are, you are portraying history in a bad way. And Walt Disney said, no, I'm making this thing. To me, it was they were all kind of a caricature. Yeah, yeah. They, they were all it's very a thing much they go a stereotype. It's a podcast called Minstrel Culture. Yeah. And, and that, was, that was uncomfortable. But man, the guy that played Uncle Ramos was really good. I kind of want to go see what they, else he was in. They have a whole. Hey, he was a really again, good actor. That if you want, it, it's it's pretty dry, but they, that podcast has a whole episode just about that guy. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I'll check it out because I thought he did a really good job in it. It's a, and it's, it's a kind pretty, of a shame for him because he was like really outstanding in that movie, and you know most people never see it. It's a boring movie. He's mm-hmm. the highlight. You know, for me, I found it to be perfectly fascinating and it, you know, it, 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 it educated me on, it, it's where I found out, I, I think I told you about uh, the, did we talk about the crows in Dumbo? Uh, we've probably talked about the crows did in I Dumbo. Did I tell you about like in the original script, you know, the, the lead crow mm-hmm. of them in the original script, that character's name literally was Jim Crow. <laughs> So uh, like learning things about like they were, you know, it's, it's just finding out about stuff from that era. It, it fascinates me and, and, you know, and I, for me personally, and it doesn't have to be everyone's journey is like, I, I want to know those things. I want to be able to say like, you know, I want to know the, the history of those kind of things. I mean, there are like, 
there's a cartoon out there. I don't know when it was made. It was made by Universal. It wasn't Disney. Uh, and it's called like, I think it's called like Wash Me Mama with a Boogie Beat or something like that. Huh. And it's about, I don't know, five to seven minutes long. And that was probably the most racist thing I've ever seen in my life. Boy, Looney Tunes has some real bad. This is this is every Looney Tunes <laughs> slash Tom and Jerry yeah. depiction of a black person all rolled into a five minute oh. cartoon. This this is like disgusting how bad it is, to be honest. Like I with said, you. like I said, I thought it was fascinating and it taught me some pretty interesting history about Walt Disney that you know, the Walt Disney Corporation doesn't want you to really kind of know about him. I will say watching it, none of the black characters are portrayed in a negative way except for just, you know, the way they talk. But they're, they're all, like, good people, and they're all looking out for each other and looking out for this little kid and stuff like that. They're all positive people. So the intent, as far as that goes, they're not the villains or anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> do, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it was irresponsible the way that they made them talk. But at the same time, they weren't the bad people in the movie. There were some little kids that were bullies. They were white kids. But other than that, white kids. Yeah. They were just like uneducated bullies. No. I'm, they were I'm, like Scott Farkas's. <clears throat> <laughs> I'll throw it out there to you. You must remember this. Season two. Season one is about uh, Hollywood blacklisting. That I haven't really listened to yet because I'm not as interested in it. But the second season based around Song of the South I found to be perfectly fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll listen to it. But again, also dry. But the movie, it's boring, everybody. Just yeah. know that. So if it's it's if it's on your to-do list, I mean, do whatever you're going to do, but it's boring. I'm just telling you. It's it's like the Star Wars holiday special. You always hear about it. <laughs> Did they say that was going to show up on Disney Plus? No. They never said I don't that? Think, I don't think, I don't think, Luke, I I don't think Lucas that. sold that to him. He is such a weirdo. I, I think, well, like, you know, the, what was the, the Greedo scene? The McClunky thing. McClunky. Yeah. That's the version that he sold to Disney, and that's why it's on Disney+. Plus. He is, he's a fascinating... That weird, is the version of that movie awesome that Disney individual. owns, and that's why it's streaming there. He's done a lot of really cool things. Not like Outside of movies, he's done a lot of really cool things. Like I believe it was when he, was sold, when he sold that stuff to Disney, he took all the money and I think put it into, into education and just yeah. basically had said, I've got enough money. Like That's right. pretty great. Yeah. His choices as an entertainer, weird, fascinating. I don't know. I don't know, man. Nobody's perfect. Uh, the greatest entertainer in the world eventually is going to make a stinker. Travis, you are right. No one is perfect. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis hasn't done it yet, as far as I can tell. I mean, he had to have made something that was terrible. Maybe that's why he retired. He's like... <laughs> he started... He's like, well... Might as well go out on top. <laughs> and then you'll see him come back and he's going to be in like Jack and Jill 2 or something. Yeah. I could be. Maybe there's something he made early on that was a little, little on the stinky side, but. Last of the Mohicans. I really like Last of the Mohicans. I will find you. I think that's one of his somewhat maligned. What was that woman's movies? name? Madeline. I will find you. Was it Madeline Con? No, not Madeline Con. Madeline Stowe? Madeline Stowe, yeah. Now where you are, I will find you. 
I will find you. You know my favorite? My favorite in that movie? What? Kentucky. Kentucky? Kentucky. I he refers to Kentucky character. as Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. And I love it. I adore it. <laughs> That's a British person playing. Yeah, I, I like less of A revolutionary Boy, person. You want to talk about banger, banger scores? Last of the Mohicans score is so good. That's one of them my son loves. He loves The Last of the Mohicans. He also loves um, uh, The Mission. The it's Mission? A, I think that's The Mission. It's got Jeremy Irons in it. Well, then I should check it I out. I never saw it. I haven't seen it. I guess it's from like the early 80s. I've talked a lot about my love of Jeremy Irons, and I've really, I've really been uh, skating on the idea of like, I should really do a Jeremy Irons deep dive. It really just, really just so good. Be prepared. Irons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He was in some stinkers too. We talked oh, about Dungeons Irons. and Dragons. Hey man, Jeremy Irons. The stinkier the better for Jeremy Aragon. Irons. Aragon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap. Let's wrap this little feller up. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so. I believe so. Okie dokie, artichokey. So, let's do. Travis, you got anything you want to plug, my brother? Uh, well, anything I mean, by the time you out? hear this, it'll be over. But I'm opening for Dusty Slay this weekend downtown at Wise Guys. That's pretty cool. He's he's an up and comer. He was like the Variety magazine uh, comic to watch. Ooh. They say he's going to be the next Nate Bargatze. Ooh, yeah. Well, congratulations to so everyone who had a good fun. time seeing you. Yeah, hopefully you came out and saw the show. Yeah. Maybe you saw my new joke that I'm working on. So if he's the next Nate Bargatze, is you uh, opening for him? What does that make you? <laughs> that makes me the guy that opened for him. That pretty much, <laughs> like when I first start like opened for Nate Bargatze the first time, it was at the Old West Valley Club. And <laughs> so you, so you are the new. If you open for Nate Bargatze, so yeah. you're the you're the new Travis Tate. Yeah, and I mean he was super funny then, but now he's like selling out theaters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's blowing up. It's funny to see all these people I've opened for, and now they're doing theaters. And I'm yeah. like, wow, this is it's it, it's, it's a pretty cool hey, ride. We hey it, it, you know Ring Theory. It's weird to see Kumail Nanjiani in gigantic movies. Yeah, coming from a guy who's like probably. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna go on a limb and say maybe the first time I heard him was on a Doug Loves movies. Maybe I know he was super big friends with. Uh, Pete Holmes and TJ Miller, they were all in Chicago together. I think Kyle Kinane was in there too. Really? And uh, to think that he's the one that's like skyrocketing, like Pete Holmes is doing TJ pretty Miller good. TJ has done all right for himself. Yeah, TJ's done pretty good too. I mean, he's going through some stuff right now. Yeah, but, well, you know. But he's still doing pretty good. But to see Kumail like just like skyrocketing out of those, because he, like, you know, like you said earlier, he was the most like soft-spoken and kind of self-deprecating where you know tj's very you know big and brash and and pete holmes is like uh he likes to celebrate pete holmes (laughs) Holmes likes to celebrate how uh uh what's the word i'm looking for delightful he is (laughs) so i like like pete holmes but i do too but he can be a bit much he he loves him some pete i think pete holmes also knows that pete holmes can be a bit much yeah, I mean that's part of his charm. Yeah, is that he points it out. Yeah, when he's being a little like, you know, too goofy. You know what, Travis? Too delightful. Hurrah for comics! Yeah, hurrah for comics! All so, right. So, if you've got any takes on comics, later to the tater at gmail.com is the place you can reach us. 
We love to hear about comics. Hit me up, yo. Hey, you can speak to a comic, Travis Tate, through that yeah. email. You can ask me advice, and I'll tell you, don't do it. Check us out. <laughs> if, I'm, I'm grumpy Luke Skywalker. If you've enjoyed <laughs> Travis's advice about not doing it, we would uh, encourage you to subscribe to this podcast that you're now listening to. Go on over to your uh, podcast provider. Give us a rating. Give us a one-sentence review. That rating should be five stars. Gosh darn it. Yeah. Uh, also, tell your friends. Get the word out there, please. We're gonna we're looking to be big in 2020, right, buddy? Exactly. I, I'm looking <laughs> to become the spokesperson for Monster Mule. Yeah, that's hey, my monster, new favorite get drink. At get at us Ooh, later. Good. Later to the tater at gmail.com, Monster. Uh, also, big in 2020, Blue Wave Theory, whose music we use for our podcast, and we're big in Japan. Big in Japan tonight. Mm, all right. Oh, no, that's made in Japan. All right, isn't it? You're all of those Japan things tonight. Eastern Sea, so uh, blue. I'm I'm running out of I'm running out of <laughs> oxygen, and we have to do this again. In just yeah, a we've got another one to go. So, for doing it again, this has been late to the party with Travis Tate. I'm Jake, and I'm Travis Tate. Follow me at Travis Tate Funny on all those all those social medias. Sorry, buddy. That's okay. Better Tate than never. <laughs>